This is the All Anal, All Anal, All Anal, All Anal Podcast with your host, Sebastian Starr. Sebastian Starr. With your host, Sebastian Starr. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the All Anal Podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Starr. And today, I'm going to be analyzing the phenomenal and well-renowned album by My Chemical Romance, Welcome to the Black Parade. Now, this album, according to Genius.com, came out in 2006, at the time I was in about sixth grade. Now, I didn't actually get into this album until like eighth grade, late seventh grade, early eighth grade. And that was mainly because, you know, I was going through that phase in my life where, you know, I had had to transfer school. So all of my friends were at my original school and I had to go to this new school and I didn't know anybody and I felt like awkward and, and and insecure and all of my bullies who were at my old school also got transferred to this new school. So I just felt completely isolated and inferior. And I took it upon myself to take that time to kind of revamp myself. You know, I had this mindset of, you know what, this is a new school. Don't nobody in here know me like that. And the only people who do don't like me. So I might as well, you know, forge a new identity and become whoever I wanted to become. And I kind of fell into this alternative, alternative rock and emo goth type of phase. And it was it was quite hilarious. But with with that being said, I think that that decision in that moment of rebellion against the system that I was forced to conform to uh, shaped me into the person that I am today because the aesthetic is still very much alive and well and breathing. And I think it all started back in late seventh grade and early eighth grade when I got the news that I was forced to transfer schools from my favorite middle school to what was now my alma mater middle school. And I was not happy about it. Um, But in addition to being introduced to My Chemical Romance at the time, I was also introduced to a lot of other punk rock and alternative rock bands. So uh, Linkin Park, Green Day, Evanescence, just to name a few. But it was actually my older brothers, who you have heard on my podcast before, who introduced me to My Chemical Romance, specifically Welcome to the Black Parade. And it wasn't the album that I was introduced to, but rather the song itself, Um, And then, of course, I took that and ran with it because, again, I was in the mindset of this rebellious preteen because I was the youngest person in my class. I was like 11 when everybody else was 12 and 13. So in eighth grade, I had just turned 13 and everybody else was like 14 years old. Um, So specifically the song Welcome to the Black Parade, I was introduced to. But then I took that song and just dove into the entire you know, scene of alternative and punk rock. And and that became my style for um, basically throughout my entire high school career. So from eighth grade up until I graduated, and then it kind of evolved over time into what it is now. Uh, and I loved this album, not just because of where I was mentally when I was introduced to it, because like I said, the album was released in 20, uh, 2006. And I didn't he learn about it until 2008 when I was in eighth grade. But just the raw lyricism of this album and just everything that it kind of represents and talks about, I could really relate to. And it was more than just like, oh, nobody understands me and I'm so alone. Like, no, it was really, I can, I can 100% feel 
like what they're saying and how everything just kind of comes together. Like fantastic job, phenomenal job on the writing. And I can absolutely 100% appreciate it for not just, you know, 13 year old me, but even 25 year old me can still to this day appreciate the masterpiece that is Welcome to the Black Parade. And Welcome to the Black Parade is such a great name for an album because it kind of, and then when you look at the artwork, the artwork is the drum major who is the leader of the parade. If you're familiar with parades at all, you you look at the marching bands, the man or woman in the front with um, their uniform is a different color from the rest of the performers' uniforms, but it's still like the school colors and they're carrying... And they're carrying their staffs and they have the whistles and they're marching full speed, full energy, full, you know, agility right in the front. They're leading the band through the parade. So the drum major is a skeleton uh, with his black and gray band uniform just marching along. That's the cover art of the album. And it's so cute. (laughs) It's so cute. And the accuracy on it is quite nice because you really see, because I was in marching band. For those of you who do not know, I was in marching band for three out of my four years of high school. And I dappled in concert band a little bit through college, but I've been a band geek since fifth grade. Uh, And I've always been entertained and amazed by the true like artistry that band members have. And I've always appreciated that even from a small child up until now as an adult. And I can tell you from personal experience that the accuracy of this drum major stance on this album is pure gold. Like they couldn't have done that better themselves. So I really appreciate that, you know, just the level of energy that he has on the cover of this album. And I feel like that kind of goes over people's head because they don't realize the severity of being a drum major in a marching band, but that's a very, very important job. So shout out to the drum majors who keep, you know, keep that job alive and and maintain that level of professionalism because it's not an easy thing to do. But with all of that said, let's dive into this um, album analysis here. The very first track on the song, which is a great way to open up a punk rock album with the song called The End. And I'm just going to do a couple of little... Lyrics, just break down. Not, I'm not going to dive into the entire song, but I just want to give you a taste of what the intro was like. So from a musical standpoint, it comes in with a heart monitor machine, like how you would get in a hospital, along with a breathing machine, like a patient laying in their bed, breathing in and out of this breathing machine while their heart rate monitor is doing a consistent tempo that eventually sets the tempo of the song. Now, the, the first verse begins... Now come one, come all to this tragic affair. Wipe off that makeup, what's in its despair. So throw on the black dress, mix it in with a lot. You might wake up and notice you're someone you're not. If you look in the mirror and don't like what you see, you can find out firsthand what it's like to be me. So gather round piggies and kiss this goodbye. I'd encourage your smiles. I expect you won't cry. Now that's beautiful, right? Because he's saying it from the perspective of the person laying in the hospital bed. You know what I mean? So he's speaking as if, you know, this is my final days. These are my final moments. Come in and get your last little goodbyes out. But don't act like, don't put on a show. Don't make it seem like you're devastated 
and and just weeping and sorrow and pain and agony and guilt and whatever. Don't mourn. Don't over mourn me because, you know, you could have had this time and experienced me when I was still alive and breathing well on my own. But now that I'm at my last little moments of life and I'm barely breathing, you want to feel some type of way. Don't change your mind. Keep that same energy. You know, and I think the line that stuck out to me, and keep on, this is just the first verse. <laughs> this is how the song starts. If you look in the mirror and don't like what you see, you can find out firsthand what it's like to be me. And I took that extremely personal because, again, I was in this rebellious phase where I was like, no one understands me. And it was, it's really hilarious. But looking back at it, I was just trying to be this down in the dumps as person. And I'm really not. Like, I'm pretty optimistic. But, you know, you have to go through trials and tribulations in life. And at 13, you, you feel like the world is against you anyway. So it just kind of made sense. But I digress. So thinking about it now, I'm realizing that this entire album is basically a farewell to life. And I think that that's probably one of the reasons why I appreciated it so much because... Again, you feel like the world is against you when you're a teenager. You feel like the world is out for your worst interest and that everybody is against you. Everything that you do, everything that you say, whatever you wear, whatever you watch, whatever you listen to, whoever you associate yourself with, you think that every authority figure is against you, is your enemy. And it it, it makes sense for a child to be forced to adapt to an environment that they didn't ask to be in to reject authority. Now, I didn't do that, <laughs> and I don't encourage that type of behavior, but I completely understand it, and I completely empathize with that because it makes sense. That's the mindset that you have. It's a very immature way of thinking, but it also makes a lot of sense. It's justifiable. You know, and then there's a difference between being a child and throwing a tantrum or being a child and feel like no one understands you. So you rebel against the system and being an adult who rebels against the system where they're not suffering. They don't feel like it's it's abundant evidence that the world is not out against you at this point. You're just like doing it just for the fuck of it. And then, you know, but that's a conversation for another day. So right after the end, again, the way the song starts is there's the heart beat monitor machine. I don't know what it's called. I'm sorry. And then the breathing machine, very slow paced, very steady. And then the song immediately after that is called dead. And it zooms in like full speed. The heartbeat machine is flatlining and the, 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 the breathing machine is turned off and the guitar riff is aggressive and it's high, not high, but it's quick paced and it's fast and it's a lot of screaming and it's a lot of like shit is falling apart and everything is going wrong. So I think, and those two songs are very much so connected musically. So where the end ends, dead begins. And that's a beautiful transition. I love good transitions in albums. And that was a, that was a crisp one because it really does sound like one long song, especially with the heartbeat monitor um, keeping the tempo throughout the entire song of the end to just flatline right into dead and then you just dive right into it. Um, and and it's and it's a it's a good way to 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 keep up that intro to the album and keep your 
curiosity up like, damn, this is going in so many different directions. Like it's, it's, it's a good construction. It was constructed very well. So the first verse to dead, which is track two from this album. And if your heart starts and if your heart stops beating, I'll be here wondering where did you get what you deserve? The ending of your life. And if you get to heaven, I'll be here waiting. Did you get what you deserve? The end. And if your life won't wait, then your heart can't take this. Now, that's pretty complex. And things about the thing about like punk rock music is it's simplistic in the sense of, you know, it's easy to understand, but it's complex in the sense of the poetry that exists within the lyricism is like abstract. So you really have to like take a step back to appreciate. And I feel like that's a lot of the times why any form of rock music, whether it be punk, alternative, heavy metal, death metal, scream or whatever, it kind of goes over people's heads. And it's because the lyrics you know, if unless you're really sitting down and you're paying attention, you're not going to catch it the first time. And you're going to miss it. And you're going to be like, oh, that was that was stupid. Like, that was dumb. I didn't even need to, you know, you're going to take it for granted or you're going to take advantage of it. And you really need to take a step back and appreciate what's being told. And, and you might miss something that you'll... So I'm going to run that first verse one more time because I know I stuttered a little bit because I'm trying to read and do all this at the same time. So the first verse, and if your heart stops beating, I'll be here wondering, did you get what you deserve? The ending of your life. And if you get to heaven, I'll be here waiting. Did you get what you deserve? The end, and if your life won't wait, then your heart can't take this. So basically, you know, he's saying once your life is over and you've gotten what you've asked for, do you feel like you deserve the consequences or rather the rewards that come after? Depending on the type of person that you are, do you feel like the way that you left was what you deserved to have happen to you, whether it be natural causes, an accident, a slip and fall, whatever. And if you get to heaven, not when, if, I'll be here waiting. Did you get what you deserve? And if your life won't wait, then your heart can't take this. So you have to keep that in mind. Like, you know, your, your life is slipping away from you. Your life is going on whether you want it to or not. And you really have to realize where your priorities were. What was important to you while you were here? What kind of a person were you? Who did you become? Who did you turn into? What were you before? And who are you now? And will your after will your afterlife reflect that? Will you be who you wanted to be in your afterlife? Regardless of what your afterlife is, whether it be heaven, hell, or reincarnation, do you deserve what you got? And if you don't think so, then you need to reevaluate your life. You need to really think about who you are as an individual, why you're doing what you're doing, and what are the consequences or rewards that will come from it. This is just verse one, you guys. This is just verse one. And that right there, you really have to take, because you're you're so focused on that intensity 
and aggressiveness that comes into the intro of the song that you're going to miss that. And the rest of the song itself plays into that questionnaire. Who are you at the end of your life? And I'm going to I'm going to just skip into the chorus just a little bit. Have you heard the news that you're dead? No one ever had much nice to say. I think they never liked you anyway. Take me from the hospital bed. Wouldn't it be grand? It ain't exactly what you planned. And it wouldn't be great. And wouldn't it be great if we were dead? So again, that that further emphasizes my point. Who are you when your life is over? All of these people are saying, oh, he was a piece of shit. He was raunchy and, and horrible and awful and evil and sinister and all that. But who do you think you are? What kind of legacy, what kind of reputation are you leaving behind? And and you're and you're dead now. It's over. You can't redeem yourself. You can't go back and fix it. You can't right the wrong. That's it. So get it right now. Get it correct in this moment and you won't have to worry about trying to fix it when it's too late. Now tell me that that's not amazing for a punk rock song. Tell me that's not the greatest shit you've ever heard in your life. Like my chemical romance people like to make fun of My Chemical Romance, just because, you know, it's My Chemical Romance, you know, but they really do have beautiful music and amazing lyricism. And I feel that it should be much more appreciated than it is. It's not getting the attention that it deserves, and and I don't think that that's right. Now, let's get to the self-titled track, which I'm jumping around a little bit because if I could, just like with the... Kissland analysis, I could talk about every single one of these songs in great detail and I could spend all day doing it. But I'm not trying to to chew anybody's ear off. I'm just trying to get the highlights. And there were two songs that I actually accidentally skipped. Um, Tracks number three and four, which is This Is How I Disappear and The Sharpest Laughs. When I tell you that I listened to this album religiously throughout middle school and high school, it was one of the few albums that really just helped me cope with the mental exhaustion that high school brings on to young people, which is a horrible issue that needs to be addressed. But again, that's a conversation for another day. But I think that it is more important to address the self-titled track because that's why we're here, right? That's, this, is, this is what started it all. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Matter of fact, yeah, it was eighth grade when I got introduced to this because... When I transferred to my new school, the only two places that I would spend my time primarily, if I wasn't in class, would be the music teacher's room, which was the keyboard lounge, and the library. I spent a lot of time reading, and I spent a lot of time playing with the keyboards. I would skip out on PE and go straight into her class, and she would let me sit in there. And I was also in band in eighth grade, so I spent a lot of time in there as well. But I spent a lot of time in the keyboard lounge and I learned how to play the intro to Welcome to the Black Parade, the song. And I was so excited when I figured out it's a very, very simple, it's a very, very simple um, intro to learn. It's just single notes, but it's the rhythm of the notes that really brings people's attention. Like it perks your ears. And it's just a beautiful way to start such a sad song. Um, and I'm not even sure who in the band plays 
piano primarily. I'm assuming it's the lead singer, but I don't want to be quoted on that. So please don't quote me and please don't chew me out if I don't know who plays the piano. But I digress. So the intro to this amazing ass song. Uh, when I was a young boy, my father took me into the city to see a marching band. He said, son, when you grow up, would you be the savior of the broken, the beaten, and the damned? He said, will you defeat them, your demons and all the non-believers, the plans that they have made? Because one day I'll leave you a phantom to lead you in the summer to join the Black Parade. Now, it took a lot to not sing that because this is one of those things when it comes in, you just feel it with every drop and ounce in your heart and soul and body. And it is just like, damn, this hits like close to home. So let's let's just really quick, let's just review that that just that part of the intro of the song. When I was a young boy, my father took me into the city to see a marching band. So this is a story being told. And it's, it's, it's like a first primary memory that you have with your parent. And ironically, when I was a young girl, my father would also take me into the city to see marching bands. My father took me to parades and football games consistently. And not because, you know, oh, I'm a child and I had to, because I had the option to stay at home with my mother and my sister and, you know, not go to the football game. But I wanted to go because I wanted to see the marching bands. Again, I was obsessed with them. This is from elementary school years. I'm a young, young child going to these football games. I'm not even watching the game. I'm sitting next to the marching band, watching the percussion section go off, watching the bass drums, the tubas, everybody go off, go to the parades. I'm watching them march down the street. I'm wondering where do the parades lines start? Where do they stop? You know, how many bands are we going to see today? Like, I was amazed. I was infatuated. I was obsessed. So that line right there definitely speaks into my soul personally because I can absolutely 1,000% relate to it. And I mean, and if you are a, a musician or even if you were in marching band, you can probably relate to that as well. Your first moment realizing that marching band was going to be like your thing in high school. You weren't going to join the football team or the soccer team or the softball team or the tennis team. You were going to be in the band. When you realize, when you had that realization, where however old you were, that line I'm pretty sure you could relate to, regardless of who you are. And then you get personal. Now the son is talking to the father. He said, son, when you grow up, would you be the savior of the broken, the beaten, and the damned? He said, will you defeat them? Will you be the savior of the broken? They, hold on. I got to stop right there. Will you be the savior of the broken, the beaten, and the damned? Will you be the savior? The savior, when you hear the word savior, you're automatically thinking of someone like Jesus Christ, like literally Jesus Christ, who comes in and you're, 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 you're down on your luck. You're, you're beaten, you're battered, you're, you're destroyed, you're distraught, you're disoriented. And they come in and just lay a hand on you. And immediately the world is brighter and cleaner. Your soul and heart are pure. Your mind is clear and your grievances are gone. So he's asking, will you be that 
for the individuals in the world who are damaged, who are broken. And that's you. I'm speaking gibberish because it's like, how will you be the savior of the broken, the beaten and the damned? If you weren't a rebellious teenager <laughs> sitting in your bedroom, listening to this song, crying your eyes out, then I don't know what kind of childhood you had because that right there should have touched your soul immediately. And if it didn't, something is wrong with you. <laughs> he said, will you defeat them, your demons and all the non-believers? So before you go off saving the world, you have to make right with yourself. You got to get your, yourself right first. So promise me that when you get yourself right, you're going to help out everybody else who needs that help. But you have to help yourself first. Will you defeat them, your demons and all the non-believers, the plans that they have made? Because one day I'll leave you a phantom to lead you in the summer <laughs> to join the Black Parade. Like, come on, bro. Because one day I'll leave you. You're going to grow up and I'm not going to be here anymore. But I will leave you my spirit my energy, my wisdom, my knowledge, things that are irreplaceable. And you will take your place at the front of this line and you will lead your army, your crusade through the city as the Black Parade. And it's just like, bro, come on, man. I'll leave you a phantom to lead you in the summer to join the Black Parade. The Black Parade is like a metaphor for the crusade of people, the damaged and the broken. That's the crusade, the Black Parade. And he's leading them. If you watch this video, they're on like a float in the middle of, of, in the, middle of the street during a parade. And he's just rejoicing this into the air. and Everyone can see his face. And it's really, really dark and dreary. But it's like... There's hope in there somewhere. Somewhere amongst all of that eeriness, that spookiness, that creepiness, there is this slither of hope that everything is going to be all right. Now, you could argue that this is some kind of a cult thing or God complex, but the reality is musicians, artists, rappers, singers, band leaders, whatever, they feel a certain obligation to their fans, the ones who are really devoted anyway, because they know that their music in some form or fashion assist the listeners and their fans in ways that therapy and talks with your parents can't touch. And you identify that as these people need this to make it through whatever it is that they're going through, whatever type of trauma or things that they're dealing with, whatever it is, this helps. And if I can help somebody feel better, then that's what I'm going to do. And that's the kind of mindset that My Chemical Romance has had since day one and have had since. And, and you're not going to convince me otherwise. Like, and I'm not even finna go into the rest of the song. I could, but that's, that's all that needs to be said, man. Will you defeat them? Your demons and all the non-believers. The non-believers are the people who are making it difficult for you to thrive and strive and move forward and be content you defeat them like it's just, 
I'm getting on my soapbox, man. I'm getting on my soapbox. But that shit is beautiful. And you're not going to convince me otherwise that it's not. Let's go on to the next song, please. Thank you. This Again, This I could talk about this album all day. I could talk about this album all goddamn day. And it's it's been a minute since I've actually sat down to listen to it, believe it or not. I listened to Welcome to the Black Parade, the song, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And it was just like a random generated, you know, rock playlist on my Apple Music account. And I listened to it about three or four times. And it it is still just a beautiful, 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 beautiful ass song. And you're not going to tell me otherwise. But let's keep going. One of my favorite songs off of this album is a song called Cancer. And yes, that is a terribly sad name for a song. But the song itself is very emotional. As you can imagine, Cancer is very emotional for the one going through it and the loved ones of the one going through it. And this song very much so speaks to that. It's the perception, or the perspective rather, of a slowly dying terminal cancer patient. And it's 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 heart-wrenching to hear, but it's even more heart-wrenching to witness. So the first verse is, turn away. If you could, get me a drink of water because my lips are chapped and faded. Call my Aunt Marie, help her gather all my things, and bury me in all my favorite colors. My sisters and my brothers still, I will not kiss you because the heart of the hardest part of this is leaving you. Now, this is very, very personal for me, just individually. Um, but when you have a loved one who is dying from a terminal disease, you, as the individual watching, have to come to the realization that their life is ending. And that is a hard pill to swallow. And it's difficult for you to fathom but that's the reality. That is the harsh, cold, unsettling reality that their life is ending. And for the individual who's suffering from the disease, they've already come to terms with it, that their life is ending. They are slowly dying. And what hurts them more than the, the treatments or the therapies or even the sickness itself is watching your loved ones watch you die. That is extremely difficult. So anything that you can do to help ease them will not only help them, but help you. But there's nothing they can do to ease you. There's nothing that they sickly and and probably immobile, there's nothing that they can do to make you feel better. The only thing that can be done is for them to make you feel better. And that is devastating. It's a blow to the chest. It's a punch in the gut. It's a clock in the head. It's devastating. And it's difficult. It's it's tough. It's uncomfortable. It's unsettling. It's heart-wrenching. And it is, I can't even find another word to describe it, but it's it's so tough to, to watch somebody that you love wither away into nothing. But it hurts even more for them to see you like that and neither of y'all can do anything about it. Like that has to be the worst feeling in the world. And it's not easy for anybody to express, to go through, to, to come to terms with. 
and and pretty much the rest of the song is just again from the POV of the cancer patient speaking to their loved ones for possibly the final time and just trying to make it easier, which it doesn't get any easier from that. It, it really doesn't. Uh, on a lighter note, I know that was a bit of a Debbie Downer, and I do apologize. <laughs> but on a lighter note, one, another one of my favorite songs off this album is a hilarious song called Teenagers. Now, you can imagine me being the rebellious 13-year-old that I was at the time when I discovered this beautiful little track, how much I absolutely related to it. And again, I'm just going to go into the first verse. And this song is hilarious. Actually, I'll do the first verse and the chorus. So, first verse. They're going to clean up your looks with all the lies in the books to make a citizen out of you. Because they sleep with a gun and keep an eye on you, son, so they can watch all the things you do. Because the drugs never work, they're going to give you a smirk because they got methods of keeping you clean. They're going to rip off your heads, your aspirations to shreds, another cog in the murder machine. I'm going to stop right there. That's the first verse. So you are speaking to someone about the teenagers. Teenagers are horrible people. (laughs) Teenagers are like very, very smart toddlers with a bit more willpower and a bit more ways to get around and do things and get things done. So imagine the most loudmouth toddler that you can think of, the sassiest little girl or the baddest little boy, and just elevate that into about a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old, give them a part-time job and a car. They will turn the world into ashes because teenagers are ruthless Some of them are very, very heartless because they come from, you know, broken homes and parents who really don't love them. They just buy their love with like money and materialistic things. And they are sociopaths. They will rip you apart emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, and do not care. (laughs) Like, that's the point. Teenagers and then the, the parents or the mentors or the guardians try to mold and shape their teenage sons and daughters to be the little versions of them. And the kids hate that. The kids hate being compared to their parents. The kids hate being forced to wear tailor-made suits and well-fitted skirts and little high heel shoes and bow ties and shit. They hate that. And they'll go against that every single chance that they get because they don't like people telling them what to do. I'm 16 years old. I'm basically an adult. You can't tell me what to do. And they're mean. They're mean as shit. They're mean to their parents. They're mean to their friends. They're mean to their teachers. They're mean to their classmates. They're mean to their bosses and their coworkers. They're horrible, horrible people. Teenagers. The the, the, the chorus of the song. The chorus of the song sums it up, and it basically proves my goddamn point. They said, all teenagers scare the living shit out of me. That is the lyrics to the song. They could care less as long as someone will bleed, so darken your clothes or strike a violent pose. Maybe they'll leave you alone, but not me. They're mean. Teenagers are mean. Teenagers are ruthless. Teenagers are heartless. Teenagers are sociopaths. They do not give a fuck about you, who you are, your your level of authority, your position of power. They don't. And a perfect, (laughs) a perfect fucking prime example. It is 
2021. Thank God. It is the year 2021. And the year 2020 is a year that people try to forget so, so often. And I can't say that I blame you. It's a lot of shit that went down in 2020 that I just kind of want to brush off and act like it didn't happen. But we can't ignore the facts, the truth, the history that was made in the year 2020. But one of the biggest things is the mobile app slash social media platform, TikTok, which is filled with nothing but teenagers, literally took it amongst themselves to bully a political figure, a.k.a. soon-to-be former President Donald J. Trump. They bullied a grown man on social media. They went to the app store, put zero ratings on all of his apps, zero ratings on all of his restaurants, zero ratings on anything with his name on it, reported his Twitter account several hundred times. They they booked tickets to his rallies by the handfuls. I'm talking by the dozens. Think of 100,000 teenagers. I'm talking under the age of 16, buying 10 to 12 packs of tickets to Donald Trump's rallies and then not showing up. He made pavements for tens of thousands of people and only like 500 people showed up. These are children. He tried to ban the app TikTok because they were affecting his political career. He tried on five separate occasions to get this done and it failed miserably every single time. These are children bullying a political figure when I tell you that they don't care. (laughs) They do not give a shit. Teenagers (laughs) do not care about you. (laughs) They are ruthless as hell. He's a grown-ass man getting cyber-bullied by a bunch of 15 and 16-year-old children on the internet. That is hilarious. <laughs> like, that's the funniest thing that could ever... And the fact that now, in the year 2021, Donald J. Trump is banned from every single social media platform. Which has nothing to do with the children, by the way. It's a, it's, that's, a, that's another thing that happened. But again, that's a conversation for another day. But he is banned from every single social media platform, including TikTok. He tried to ban TikTok five times and failed five times. They banned him from everything all at once. He can't get on no kind of social media no more. They even banned the POTUS account on Twitter. He can't even post on the POTUS account. He tried to post through his associates' Twitter accounts. He can't do that either. Teenage. <laughs> and it's, again, that ain't got nothing to do with the children, but that's hilarious. They completely cyber bullied this man for like four months. It was going on. They was just tearing him apart limb from limb and he couldn't do shit about it. Tell me that's not the funniest shit. And that, again, that further proves my point that teenagers do not give a fuck about you. They don't fucking care. I want to do one more song from the album and we're going to wrap this up but that just goes to further prove my point now i was going to do yeah i'm going to do 
I, I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted because there's two songs that I really, really, really want to talk about. But I think I'll just talk about them both very, very briefly. Famous Last Words is, uh, it's, it's it's it, it's a great way to close out the album. It's a great way to kind of bring it all together. You know, it has that same rugged, aggressive energy that you had in the beginning. Because as the album progresses, um, the energy it doesn't die off, but it kind of like gets put elsewhere. There are songs where there's a lot of high energy. There's songs that have a lot of low energy. There's songs where the lyricism is more important and you want to pay attention to that. And there are songs where the music is more important and you want to pay attention to that. But Famous Last Words kind of brings it all back to the beginning. And I love, I love, I love the way it comes in. (laughs) I love the way it comes in. Now, I know that I can't make you stay but where's your heart? But where's your heart? But where's your... And I know there's nothing I can say to change that part, to change that part, to change. And I I, I wish I could sing it a little bit, but I, I don't want to get no issues with no copyright enfranchisement because I'm just doing the lyrics now. But... Just the flow of this intro is enough to make you like, it really got that bob in there that's so, it's so like, it just revs you up. Like if you're ready to go, like if you're a football player and you're ready to go on the field, or if you're a boxer, you're ready to come out in the ring, or if you, you know what I'm saying, a fighter, you're ready to get your, this is how you get your groove going right here. Cause it's just boom, boom. And it just keeps the, it keeps, it builds that energy up over time. And it is just phenomenal. It really gets you revved up. And then it comes in hard with the guitar crash. And the ugh, it's so much happening. It's so much happening. And then the lyrics itself are, are phenomenal. I can't even put it into words, man. But that's all I'm going to say about that. Because I do want to get to this very last song, which was low-key. I have the actual disc cassette. Not cassette, Lord. The actual CD. I, I got the CD for Christmas that same year, 2008. Uh, it was one of the first actual albums that I was able to get that I added to my little CD collection. Because back in 2008, that was all I asked for was music CDs. So um, so there's a hidden bonus track on the actual CD if you listen to it. And it's the cutest, it's the cutest thing ever. <laughs> um, it's really, really short. It's like two minutes long. And I actually found it by accident because I, I listen to the album, like I said, all the time. And... I would always like skip to the next, like start it over as soon as it, you know what I'm saying? So as soon as Famous Last Words end, it starts this countdown. It's very, very slow countdown. And I just assumed that was the end of the, the album, so I would just skip back to number one. I let it play out once, and I heard this very ruggedy old 1950s-style piano just kind of chirping and clicking and playing in the background. And then I heard him singing, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I let it play through. And it's this cute little song called Blood. And it's very, very cute, but it's also very, very short. It's like a minute, but it takes about a minute and 24-ish seconds to get started. And then it plays for like a minute by itself. It's very, very short. And I I love it. it. The first verse goes, Well, they encourage your complete cooperation, send you roses when they think you need to smile. I can't control myself because I don't know how. 
and they love me for it. Honestly, I'll be here for a while. And then the chorus is, so give them blood, blood, gallons of the stuff. Give them all that they can drink and it will never be enough. So give them blood, blood, blood. Grab a glass because it's going to be a flood. Now, <laughs> up until this very moment in time, I never paid attention to the lyrics because, like I said, the song is just really, really cute. And I just really, really liked how creepy the lyrics were, but how chipper and upbeat and happy the music seemed. Because, again, it's like a 1950s piano and his voice is distorted to sound like an old school radio. So it's very, very cute, but the lyrics are very, very dark. And it's just like, bro, what the fuck? Like, you can tell they were probably just having a little bit of fun and they were just talking about some really spooky shit. And this song kind of just kind of created itself and they just ran with it. And and here we are. We got blood. <laughs> it's so cute. So if you ever get a chance to go back and listen to this album, let that play out. And, well, everything's digital now, so you can probably just skip right to it. But again, it takes about a minute, 24-ish seconds for the song to actually start. But it's a really, really cute song. And I don't know a single person in the world who doesn't like it. Or if they don't like it, they probably haven't heard it. But again, if you're my Chemical Romance fan, then you've probably heard this song. But in a nutshell, that was Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. A beautiful album with a lot of songs that regardless of your genre type, the type of music that you're into primarily, you will find something on this album that you can absolutely relate to. I, I can't see how that wouldn't be a possibility. There's songs that are very, very personal. There's songs that are very, very generic and broad. There are songs that, you know, really kind of make you think about the type of person that you are and your individual self. And then there's songs that make you think about other people. There's a little bit of something for everybody on there. But again, alternative punk rock music is an acquired taste. People are going to reject it if they don't immediately understand it. And you might have to introduce just the lyrics by themselves and then ease them into the music because it can get very aggressive. It can get very loud. It can get very scary, you know, all the screaming and things like that. But it's so much more to it than just a lot of yelling and destroying things. There is definitely beauty underneath all that like I said it's very much artistic like seeing paintings in the museum you gotta take a step back to really appreciate what's being done what's being said what's being presented to you if you don't pay attention it's gonna go right over your head and you're gonna miss it so that's my take on that it's a beautiful album feel free to check it out my chemical romance welcome to the black parade this is my personal opinion analysis I appreciate you guys for sticking around, listening to me mumble and ramble. And until next time, I'll talk to you guys a little bit later. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the All Anal, All Anal, All Anal podcast with your host, Sebastian Starr.